Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hi, I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Speak English like a native. Join my VIP program to speak English fluently, confidently, powerfully, effortlessly. Think in English. Train English with me, with my VIP program. Join today. Join at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. That's EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Hello. Shorter podcast today because tonight I will be doing our book club. We've got a good chapter. Last chapter of Dumbing Us Down, chapter three was quite simple. It was okay, but not a lot of deep ideas in chapter three. But chapter four is a big one. It's fairly long and there are some very important ideas, some really powerful ideas in chapter four. So don't miss chapter four of dumbing us down which is our next book club so i'm doing that later tonight i'll be doing it live on facebook as usual follow me on twitter or gab i always announce on twitter and gab when i'm going live again that's gab.ai 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 and follow me at aj hoge a-j-h-o-g-e got another quote Be your own master and protector. Train your mind as a merchant trains his horse. That's from the Dhammapada again. Be your own master and protector. Train your mind as a merchant trains his horse. Let's do the second sentence first. Second sentence. Train your mind as a merchant trains his horse. A merchant is a business person. It's kind of an old name for a business person. Someone who sells things. So train your mind like a business person trains his horse. So of course in the past (laughs) 2,000 years ago, there were no cars. People used horses to ride around. And the horses had to be trained. Wild horses are not good transportation because they go crazy and you fall off and you get hurt. So (laughs) when people bought a horse, they needed to buy a tame horse. And it's the horse seller usually would train, right? Would train the horse to follow commands, to be calm when people are riding him or her. Right? So... We're using this as a comparison that that's the same thing we do with our own mind. We train our mind like we train a wild horse. So our minds, before training, our minds are just like wild horses. They're crazy and uncontrolled. And when we try to control our minds, when we try to control our thoughts, they go crazy. They go wild. They become wild. 
They start jumping around all over the place, jumping around, going crazy, going wild. That's what wild horses do. If you catch a wild horse and you jump on, jump on it, try to ride it, it will jump and try to bite you. It goes crazy trying to throw you off. It reacts very wildly. So, so it actually gets, it seems like it's getting worse when you're trying to train it. There are a lot of cowboy movies that show this, right? It's kind of a common thing in some, some old cowboy movies where the, uh, the old cowboy will have to train the wild horse and the cowboy will get onto the horse and then the horse starts going crazy, jumping, kicking, trying to bite, just going crazy to th- throw the cowboy off. And the cowboy has to hold on, hold on, hold on. The cowboy has to keep holding on, holding on until finally the horse quits and the cowboy wins. And then the horse is trained. The horse becomes calm. The horse becomes tame. Finally, that's how they train or tame the horses in the cowboy movies. So it's the same kind of idea with our own minds. This is what this uh, quote is giving us from the Dalapada, is that you can expect the same thing to happen with your mind. When you start to train your mind with meditation, just with uh, noticing your thoughts and controlling your thoughts and organizing your thoughts and being mentally self-disciplined, that what will happen is first your mind will again try to throw off the control, try to get rid of your control. Your, Your thoughts will get more wild, more crazy. They will come and go faster and faster. It seems like things get worse. But just like the cowboy has to train the horse, you have to train your own mind. You have to stay on stay on top of your mind. Keep the control. Keep the control until finally your mind will calm down. That's really what the process of meditation is. <laughs> It's very similar to that. So that's a nice quote. I like that second part. Now, the first part is also very interesting and good. Be your own master and protector. Now, this is something I say a lot, right? When I talk about education, I I say you must be the master of your own education. You are the master of your education. Of course, you can use coaches. Of course, you can find teachers. You can pay teachers. You can model other people of course you can read books by other people you'll learn from other people of course you do but 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 ultimately you are the master of your own education you decide you choose your teachers and you can fire them or you can leave them anytime you want you can try new ones right you decide what you study and what you need to learn and you decide what skills you want to learn and you decide how you want to use those and you decide what's important in your life and you decide what's meaningful. You are the master of your own learning. You're the master of your own education. Or in the case of your children, you're the master of your own family, your own family's education. With young children, the parents are the masters of education for a while but of course with love and of course with the goal of helping their child eventually 
become their own master. I mean, that's what you want for your child, right? Eventually, you want your child to become their own master. They can't do it when they're four years old. They can't make all their own decisions. They're not ready. Of course not. But that's why the parents are the masters of the family. So it's the family is, right? The family, the parents specifically, are the masters of their children's education until the children are ready to be independent learners completely. Hmm. Of course, that's, <laughs> that's really when they start to become adults, right? When they are completely their own masters, and that's what becoming an adult really means. Be the master of your own education. But it's saying being your own master in general is what this quote says from the Dhammapada. So it's not only education. This quote is saying, in all parts of your life, you must be the master. It means you must be responsible for your life. Right? You are the master, finally. It's your life. It's no one else's life. So no one else can live your life for you. Therefore, no one else can really be your master. They can't. Because even if someone else tells you what to do, you follow them. You're choosing to follow them. So you're still making that choice. You can't hide from this. You have to become your own master. And the way you become a great master of yourself is <laughs> to master your own mind. Then you truly are your own master in all parts of life. Now, I also like the second part of this because it really... <laughs> it's really talking about self-defense, honestly. It says, be your own master and protector. You must be your own protector. This is saying that you cannot also, you cannot depend on another person to protect you, right? To defend you. Like we have this modern idea now, for example, that the police, the police will protect us from criminals. They don't. The police do not protect us and they do not protect you and they will not protect your family. You cannot depend on the police to protect you from crime, to defend protect you from violence. You cannot do this. They, it's impossible. They cannot do it because they cannot be everywhere. So you must be able to protect yourself as best you can. Of course, no, we're not all perfect, right? I mean, we, uh, but we have to do the best we can, but we have, most importantly, we have to have the mindset that our defense, our protection, the protection of our own families, it, we are responsible that's our job. It's not the police's job. That's not someone else's job. It's our job to do that. So we have to be aware. We have to watch for dangers. We have to be ready to fight if necessary. I mean, we have to be ready, mentally in our minds, ready to kill someone if necessary. I mean, I, I, I definitely have my mind. If someone was trying to harm my family or me... I would kill them. I would kill them with no pity at all and no mercy. Because I know I am responsible for protecting myself and protecting my family. I know there are great, terrible, horrible evil out there. And I know I can't rely on just calling up the police. I know that mentally I must be willing to do that. Now, can I do that? I don't know. I mean, you know, it depends on the situation. I might lose. In that case, I have to be willing to fight and possibly die. 
But this is the mindset you must have to protect yourself and your family. The truth is, when you have that mindset, you will avoid a lot of problems because the, 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 the really evil people out there are mostly looking for weak victims. They're mostly looking for weak people who will not fight, who are not aware of what's happening around them. You know, they're looking for easy victims mostly. They're not looking for a hard fight, okay? Even if you're much smaller, right, you could still cause a lot of problems by fighting, fighting, fighting really hard for yourself and your family. Yeah, you know, most criminals don't want that. They don't want to deal with that. They want easy victims, weak victims. So just having the mindset of protecting yourself and your family and that you're willing, mentally, you're willing to fight to the death or kill, that will, you know, there's a kind of strength that comes from that mindset that a lot of criminals can see and feel and they'll avoid it. It's not a guarantee, of course, but just the mindset will help you. The other thing with self-protection is to watch, you know, watch, go to, you know, the ASP channel, Active Self-Protection, that YouTube channel I recommended before, Active Self-Protection. Watch those videos. Watch those videos because those are real attacks. Okay. They're caught. They're on video. These are real criminal attacks, violent attacks in many different countries. It's all around the world. Those videos come from everywhere in the world. And at, when you watch a lot of them, you start to see the patterns. You, and the guy, the, the narrator, the teacher, he kind of explains the ma- kind of main ideas, important points to learn from the videos. And when you watch a lot of them, you'll start to become more aware of what it's really like. What's the truth? Not the fantasy you see in movies. Not the fantasy you think you're going to call the police and the police will save you. They're not. You have no chance. If, if uh, criminals attack you, you have zero chance. The police are not going to help you, okay? They'll come later and, you know, take your body to the, ho- to the um, cemetery or something, but they're not going to save you. <laughs> so watch those videos. You'll start to get... And what the, uh, what's great about those videos, they'll make you more aware. I know since I've watched those videos, I'm just more aware. I don't walk around looking at my phone when I'm out around other people, for example, and I'm walking around the city. I don't stare at my phone. I keep my head up. I look around. I notice the other people around me. Now, you know, right now I'm in Japan, which is a very safe country, but there still is crime here. There still is violent crime here. People still are killed here, in fact. There's still murders here. It happens. It's not common. It's much safer than the United States, but it still happens. And one of the most basic things you can do to protect yourself and your family is just to be aware. Okay? Don't be looking at your phone when you're on the train. Don't be looking at, at your phone when you're walking around. Have your eyes up, noticing everybody around you. Notice them. All right? And if you see somebody who looks a little weird, a little strange, uh, you know, possibly a little dangerous, or just you're not sure, well, then stay away from them. Right? Cross the street. Don't don't get close to them. Don't let them get close to you. If they're coming at towards you in a strange way and, and like they're going to try to get close to you, move back, move to the side, change the way you're moving so that they don't get close. And if they 
if they change and they start coming towards you still, well, now you know there's a big problem and you need to get your hands up and get ready to fight and certainly start yelling, you know, back off, go away, go away. What do you want? You know, whatever. There's some really basic verbal techniques you can use. And you really should probably do some basic, basic, basic self-defense training so you know how to fight. Or carry a gun, if that's an option in your country. Carry a gun, but if you carry a gun, you should certainly train so you know how to use it properly. But really, it's the first part that's most important, is that awareness. That awareness. So many people, I walk around all over the world now, and everybody's just got their head down looking at their phones all the time. So easy. I mean, if I, you know, if I was a bad guy, if I wanted to, you know, come up and steal from them or, or do something violent against them, it would be so easy. They're not even, they're not aware of anything happening around them. I could probably just walk up to them and just hit them on the head as hard as I want. They wouldn't even notice I was there until I hit them. (laughs) Right? I'm a nice guy, of course, I'm not going to do that, but that's how criminals think. So the worst thing you can do is to be distracted all the time by that phone. It's okay, you know, if you're listening to English, great, but when you're listening, don't be looking down at the ground and don't be looking at your phone. This is another reason I don't like video. I want you to have your head up looking around, noticing everybody around you, noticing what's happening around you. So as you listen, be aware of what's happening around you. That's the very most important first and most vital, important, fundamental (laughs) uh, tactic, method of self-defense. Because that's how you avoid most of the problems. You've got to see them coming. You see them coming. See, this is the big problem when you watch those videos, those active self-protection videos on YouTube. You'll see there's very little warning. They happen so fast, right? People are always surprised by what happens because it happens so quickly. One second, someone's standing in line at a convenience store, and then two seconds later, a guy runs in with a gun or runs in with a knife. And usually these people are completely unaware. Even if you're aware in that situation, you only have two seconds of warning. It's not much time. So you have to see it, and when you see it happening, you got to react instantly, you know? Either run away or get put your hands up and back, back off or whatever it is you want to do. But at least you can see it coming so you're not completely surprised. So be your own master and protector. Be your own master and protector. Don't think someone else is going to protect you. Don't think someone else is going to lead you and tell you what to do. You must be your own master and protector. Train your mind like a merchant trains his horse. Now I mentioned, I'll give you a little preview of today's book club. One idea from the book club. Chapter 4 today, Dumbing Us Down. Dumbing Us Down by John Taylor Gatto. He talks a lot about what is a real community? Like, what is the foundation, right? The, the most basic, most important foundation of a country, of a society, of a culture, of a community? And he says, quite obviously, it's the family. It's the family, not school, not anything else. It's family. 
if families are strong, when families are very strong, when the connections between children and their parents and also their uncles and aunts and cousins, nieces and nephews, grandparents, when all those are very strong and very close and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of time with family, uh, you know, every day, every week, those connections are strong, 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 then you have a strong community and at a bigger level, a strong country. You cannot have a strong country, you cannot have a strong community without the family. And he talks about how, you know, now, in most countries, he's right, you know, I travel, there's no community at all. Community's dead. Community in America is dead, dead, dead. There's no community in America because families are mostly dead. Families in America, it's a disaster. I mean, this is why I don't live there. <laughs> Some people might wonder, why am I not living in America? Why, why do I not want to have my family in America? That's why. Family's dead in America. The divorce rate is, I think, 60%. Six, zero. So that's over half. Well, a lot more than half. It's a disaster. So there's divorce has helped to destroy the families. The other thing that has destroyed the families that John Telegato mentions is, is the school systems. Because the school takes the children away from parents. Right? The school eats all those hours. So much time. All that time that should be with family. Right? Every day. Most days. During most of the day. Should be spent with parents. With brothers and sisters. Maybe cousins and uncles and aunts. Grandparents. Instead. The children are stolen. They're taken from the family. And put in the schools. And this, of course, makes the family much, much, much weaker. And you wonder why, as a parent, that your teenager doesn't want to listen to you anymore. Your teenager does not respect you as much. Your teenager seems distracted. Your teenager seems less connected to you. And more connected to friends. Or media. Movies. Music. Well, that's why. Because... They, for years, right? their whole childhood, they were taken away from you, put in the schools. You, they, ne they never had enough time with you to form those deep, deep, deep connections. The schools destroy families. This is the number one reason I hate the schools. Hate them. They're evil. And then he kind of, he makes a comparison in this chapter, comparing what he calls networks, which are fake communities, fake communities, compared to a real community, a real family. So he compares family, which is real. That's a real community. That's real connection. And he compares that to fake, which is like the schools or any other organization like that. And he... he he shows that the key, one of the key things about family is in a family the connection is your it's about you as a whole person you're 100% you in in your family right like i think of my nephew right 
I, I love my nephew. I'm connected to my nephew. But it's it's him, 100%. His whole personality, right? When he's good, when he's bad. <laughs> when he behaves well, when he doesn't. Um, it's, it's, it's his hobbies. It's what he's interested in. It's, uh, it's things he's studying. It's everything he's reading. It's playing outdoors with him. It's playing inside with him and playing games with him. It's uh, playing with him and his cousins. And it's him as a whole human being, his entire self. He's appreciated and loved for who he is. Completely him as a complete human being. Not just one part of him. In the schools, this is not true. Well, first in the schools, they don't love your child at all. There's no love. Zero. Zero love. Teachers don't love your children, okay? And and the principals and other workers absolutely don't love your child. You're lucky if they care at all. But they certainly don't love them. Number two, in a school, your child is only valued for a small part of who they are. The schools don't care about your child's hobby. The schools don't care about, you know, their, their sense of humor and their jokes and their silliness and the games they like to play. No, it's just grades, right? It's just a few subjects. They have to sit there and learn and, uh, and perform for these tests and get these grades. That's all they care about in the schools. They don't care about them as whole, real human beings. This is why socialization in schools is bullshit. This is one of the common things people are always say, they always ask me about, oh, what about socialization, AJ, for homeschooling? Because won't they miss being socialized in school? School's not socialization, it's, it's a prison. It's bullshit. They're not learning true friendships in school. Those aren't real friends. Those aren't real connections. They learn that from family. Their cousins, their uncles and aunts, their parents, their brothers and sisters connect with them completely as complete human beings. All parts of them. But in the schools, nah. It's just maybe a few shared hobbies or maybe a few shared, you know, experiences because they're all in the same classroom. What they're learning is, is a horrible, inhuman, not human way of socializing. That's what they learn in schools. They learn to be little bureaucrats. They learn that they are not important as human beings. Only their performance in school is important. Not who they are as people. Right? Like uh, my nephew, for example, one of, I've got a lot of nephews, but (laughs) one of my nephews is super funny. He's really funny. He's kind of, he's a wild, wild boy and he's really funny. And so of course in the family, we all love him because of that. It's one of the things, one of the many things we love about him, but we appreciate that about him, that he's so funny and he's so wild, but they don't care about that in the schools. In fact, that's a bad trait. It's a bad characteristic for a school. They don't like that because it means he's harder to control. So in school, he's actually not that wild in school. He's not himself in school. He's not who he really is because they don't care about that. It's inhuman. It's not human. In a real family, everybody is special. Everyone in the family is special. And they feel special because in a family, everybody gets attention. Right? In a, in a healthy family, everybody gets attention for who they are. They all get attention. It doesn't matter, right? 
I can think of my extended family. I think of my uncles and my aunts and my cousins. Well, they're, they're all very different, but everybody gets attention. Everybody's valued, and it doesn't matter, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if, if one is rich and another one is poor, or one is really smart and another one's not so smart, right? Because the, each family member has something kind of different and special about them, or some combination of things that are special, and we, you know, we give them attention, and we give them love, and we enjoy being with them because of those things. That's not true in school. It's also not true in jobs. Right? In jobs, they only care about your performance, what you can do on the job. They don't care about you as a human being, a whole human being. And if you do a bad job, then they get rid of you. you they fire you. Same in schools. So f- he's making a great point. See, that f- family is where you have the connection and the love and the real community where you are part of a group as a complete and a whole human being. It's not just about one part of you, like how much money can you make or how smart are you or what kind of grades do you get or what kind of tests do you get or how well behaved are you? It doesn't matter. Right? I can think of some family members are funny and some are not. Some are super smart, some are not as smart. Some of my family members uh, have a lot of money and some don't. But, you know, we, we like them all. We love them all. We care about them all. And they're all part of the group and they all get attention for different reasons. So they all feel important. They all know. They all know. They feel it deeply and know they are part of our family. They belong. There's meaning and connection there. It's a meaningful connection. Whereas those connections in school, they're meaningless. What happens after you graduate from school? A few years later, probably you lose your connection with most of them. Or even more, even worse, let's say if you move, what if you move five hours away? How many of those school connections, those school friends will you keep? Will, will you continue to talk to? Will you continue to care about and they will care about you Uh, usually very few usually none usually none at all or another great test if you're having a hard time in your life right just things are going badly you're having a lot of bad luck you're having a really hard time you're feeling depressed you're no fun to be around right you're no fun you're just kind of you feel horrible you're no fun well your family's still there for you Your family still cares about you. Your family's still your family. But all these fake friends, all the the co-workers, the people at your job who pretend to be your friends, the people at school who pretend to be your friends, they all don't care. They will disappear. They might be nice to you for a short time, but if your bad luck or your depression or your sadness continues for a long time, they'll get bored. They'll get sick of you. And most of them will disappear. They're not real friends. And they don't really care because they don't really love you. Now, it's your family who'll still be there for you. And if you're lucky, a very, very, very few true real friends who will stay with you through all of that. And also, of course, you doing the same for them. This is why 
family first. Your family must come first. Family is the foundation. See, it's another one of the great things about family. So you can disagree with your family about lots of stuff and still your family. Like, for example, I talked about with this Ameri- in America. America is almost in the middle of a civil war, a cold civil war. Well, in the last couple of years, I lost, lost, <laughs> not really, but uh, there several, many different fake friends are not my friends anymore because we disagree about politics in the United States and this is how I you know it's an easy obvious test I knew that they were fake friends because I knew if I suddenly started disagreeing with them about politics I knew they couldn't be my friends anymore and so I know now these are fake these are not these are not real connections these are not real friends on the other hand I have family members who also completely disagree with me and I with them and, and in fact, my two best friends, my, my two real friends, not fake friends, my two really close friends, Kristen and Joe, that you got the VIP members know, we completely disagree, Joe and I especially, 100% disagree about politics in the United States. 100% disagree. We are on opposite sides. But we're still friends because we're real friends. Right? So we just... That, that doesn't divide real friends, but there are very few real friends in this world, as you will find out. Right? And family the same. I have family on all different sides politically, but we're still family, so it's not going div- to divide us. Because family first. Because we know real family is more important than any of that stuff. You know, that stuff is important. I'm not saying it's not. It is important. But family is more important. Family first. That's what John Taylor Gatto's saying. And he's saying really that you must have family first or you cannot have a country. You cannot have a real country. You cannot have a healthy society unless you have strong families. You know, it's like building a house with bricks, right? With stones. Each stone is the family, right? The house is the nation, the country. But the stones, each stone is like a family. Without those stones, if the stones are weak, if the stones all break and fall apart, then the whole country will collapse. That is what's happening in the United States, in my opinion. If you want to look at the deep level. This is why the so many Americans believe the fake news media so easily. This is why they follow... <laughs> communism and socialism so easily because these are like replacement religions fake religions for them because they've they've lost their families because most of them have very little true love and connection with their own families they have very little loyalty for their own families a lot of Americans especially these the ones that are traitors that hate their country a lot of them uh, don't like their own families or They care more about politics than their own families. So for me, they're disgusting people. Anyone who cares more about politics than their own family, I just, I I don't trust them at all. How, How can you trust that kind of person that would sacrifice their own real human being families for some political idea? Those are bad people. I don't trust them. I would never trust those people. 
So family is what he's saying is the absolute 100% foundation. And so what he's saying in this chapter, and we'll talk more about it tonight, is that we need less school. Less school, not more, right? A lot of places in the world, they're trying to do more school, more hours at school, more days at school. What a joke. What a joke. There's already much too much. And then they want more and more and more. They want to take your kids all the time. They don't want parents to be with the kids. They don't want parents educating kids. Now they want to do it. Who's they? Of course, these communists, socialists. They're mostly socialist, communist. And they want to take your kids so they can put their ideas in your kids so that your kids will be loyal to them, not to you, not to each other, not to their own families, but to their political ideas. That's exactly what they've already done it in the United States. I mean, they're almost completely successful with that, which is why America is collapsing and they're doing it almost everywhere in the world. And they just want more, 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 more hours, more hours, more hours of school, right? They do a terrible job teaching your children the basic skills and then they say what's the solution all oh, the solutions more more of something bad we have your kids for six hours a day and we fail to teach most of them well so now we need seven hours a day or eight hours a day <laughs> what is such a joke <laughs> it's ridiculous it's ridiculous they are incompetent and they're evil the system itself is evil it is anti-family that's what you must realize at the very root of schools. The whole school mission, the purpose of schools is anti-family. That is the central number one purpose of the school systems is to go against your family, to make your family weak, to destroy your family, and to replace your family with these mostly socialist, communist, government workers, bureaucrats. That's what they're doing. That's what the school's about. In America, it started up in uh, New York and Massachusetts, the damn Yankees, as we call them in the South. <laughs> and, you know, in America, the strongest areas of this kind of communism uh, are in that area, Massachusetts and New York. It's the northeast part of the United States and also the west coast of the United States, California being the most obvious and famous. This is where most of this communism starts, where it's strongest in the United States. So it's not a surprise that this kind of s industrial school system, this anti-family school system, started in that area in the United States. Not a surprise at all, because this is, there's a long history in America of these people trying to force themselves, force their ideas on everybody else, force everybody else to live the way they want, to have their ideas, to do everything the way they want them to do it. They want control. This is the mindset. Control. These people are focused on controlling, controlling, controlling everybody else. This is their number one goal in life because they're sick and evil. 
So they just want to control, control, control everybody else. They hate freedom. That's what the school system's about. We're going to talk about it more with the book club today. So check out that book club. If you missed the live show, then of course I will add the recording probably in a few days later this week. Well, to bring you back to some to something small and simple and easy, what can you do? Make your family stronger, okay? That's the first thing, the main thing. Family first. That's a good uh, incantation. It's a good motto. It's a good thing to repeat. It's a good thing to put in your on your wall in your house. It's a good thing to teach your children and make them repeat it every day <laughs> and make them understand it. Make it a rule of your family. Family first. You're loyal to your family first. Family is most important. Not school. Not work. Nothing else. Family first. Family first. That's where meaning comes from. That's where meaningful human socialization comes from. That's where meaningful true love and connection comes from. Family first. All right. I will ta- I'll be back again quite soon actually. I'm going to walk home now. I'll upload this and then I'll see you live. Have a great day. Bye for now. And of course, join my VIP program. Join my VIP program today. Join at effortlessenglishclub.com. That's effortlessenglishclub.com.